Now, last week when he did the same thing to me, but that time on a Saturday morning, you know, I, I, fought, for, I fought with him for about 90 minutes, uh, but eventually won and convinced me to share the following message last Sunday on the 15th. Uh, I called the message, remember that, therefore. You see, I'm convinced that in these troubled and uncertain times that, that Paul would encourage us not to live like men and women who have no hope, but to live like men and women who do have hope in, in Christ. And, and we'll be empowered to do that when we remember a few things. Remember that, that God, is in his, God is still on his throne, that God is in control, that the God can be trusted, that God is our help, and that God is great, and that God is good. And listen, when we remember those things, uh, that God's still on his throne no matter what's going on, no matter how far the virus spreads, that God's in control, uh, that God can be trusted, that God is our help, that God is great and God is good, we will not fear, we will trust, we will not worry, we will pray, we will consider it joy, we will be a light and we'll live our lives differently. We will show compassion, we will seize the moment, we'll pray for our national healing, and we'll fix our eyes on Jesus. Well, that was last week, and if you missed out online, it's online still, you can check it out. The audio is on our website, it's on Spotify now, and also iTunes. But this past Thursday, when God woke me up, I, I didn't even fight for five seconds. I got up immediately, and uh, because at, at a time like this, I'm trying to be as wide open as I can to what God wants me to say to his people week by week. And so I got out of bed and I did my sermonization thing. And I do this weird thing. Those who know me, I'm weird anyhow. That's what happens when you live on a submarine. But I, uh, I did my sermonization thing and I grabbed my file folder and I began writing out thoughts on that. And usually it takes me about you know two to three days before I can finally get the the outline and the, uh, I thought there was something back there, a picture of my file folder. I don't know if it's on there or not. Stick with me. You're still there, right? Put that in that cereal bowl. I saw that. All right. No chewing with your mouth open. All right. That's just, just wrong. <laughs> all right. I'm just kidding. But if you know me, that's me. All right. But usually it takes me about, it takes me about two to three days to do this. But uh, on Thursday morning, like in fit, that may not make sense to you. It makes sense to me about like 15 minutes. I filled that folder up. And I know that whenever thoughts flow so easily and quickly and freely, that there's no doubt that God is behind it. And so this morning, that's where my confidence stands as I, I'm up here preaching, right? This first time in this thing where I got a few people in the room and people watching. But my confidence stands not in me, not in my ability, not in the words that I, I put on paper, but in the fact that our God is living, our God is alive, and that our God wants to speak to us, his people. And so today, March 22nd, 2020, we're going to pack a conversation that I'm calling Fearful Uncertain Crisis or Powerful Unexpected Opportunity. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father God, wow, we love you. And Lord, the first song we sang today, Lord, we need you. And Lord, yes, we will lift you high even in the lowest valley. And we're so thankful that your son conquered death, sin, and the grave. And, and God, right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just help me. Help me to speak exactly what you want me to speak. It's not an accident that those listening to this message are listening to it right now. God, I pray for open hearts, open minds. 
open ears. I pray we'll respond. Um, God, I pray that I will not get in the way. We love you. We trust you. I trust your word. Amen. On May 10th, 1940, the Germans, after conquering Czechoslovakia, Australia, Poland, Denmark, Norway, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg, began their invasion of France. And 35 days later, on June the 14th, Paris fell. In a matter of days, France would surrender on June the 25th, 1940, and England would stand as Europe's only bulwark against the twin evils of fascism and Nazism. And listen, it was at this critical moment that Winston Churchill gave his third and final speech during the invasion of France. And once again, parting words that were intended to, to, to give his people hope as they were living in the darkest of times. And really, that's what we want our leaders to do in dark times, to not propagate fear, but to give us hope. And so on June the 18th, 1940, Winston Churchill, he stood before the House of Commons and gave a powerful speech that would later be broadcast over the entire nation. Here's an excerpt from that speech. However matters go in France, or with the French government, or with another French government, we in this island and in the British Empire will never lose our sense of comradeship with the French people. If we are now called upon to endure what they have been suffering, we shall emulate their courage. And if final victory rewards our toils, they shall share the gains I and freedom shall be restored to all. We have asked nothing of our just demands, Czechs, Poles, Norwegians, Dutch, Belgians, all who have joined their causes to our own shall be restored. What General Wygang has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British Isle and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned against us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe will be freed, and the life of the world may move forward into broad sunlight uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. And brothers and sisters, history records that indeed was their finest hour. That's why we're talking about it some 80 years later. It didn't come without a cost, though. Um, military and civilian casualties for Britain in that war were 450,000 people. That's 1% of their population. That would be like 33 million, I mean, 3.3 million Americans dying. Fearful, uncertain crisis or unexpected, powerful opportunity. Winston Churchill, he chose the latter. And 50 years ago, we see these very same words that uh, uh, Churchill spoke. Uh, we, we, we heard them again during the flight of Apollo 13 when a, a mechanical malfunction uh, led the commander of the mission, Jim Lovell, to radio back to Earth. Houston, we have a problem. And listen, 
they changed their goal from landing on the moon now to how do we get these guys who are now 203,000 miles away, how do we get these guys back home? And everybody in Mission Control, they were, they were freaking out, thinking that the odds were very, really hard and dangerous, that they probably would not come home alive. And some guys even said, a NASA director said, this is going to be the worst disaster NASA NASA's ever faced. And the mission commander, Gene Krantz, overheard them, and he said, and here's a, from, this is from the movie, Ed Harris, great actor, by the way, I'm underrated. Um, he says, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. And it was, right? That's why we're talking about it, right? That's why they made a movie about it 25 years ago, Who Feels Old? It was nominated for, yeah, a couple hands in there. I know I'm old. I don't just feel it. And it was nominated for nine Academy Awards. It did not win Best Picture that year because my all-time favorite movie won Best Picture that year, Braveheart. Freedom! Men of Scotland, all right? Fearful, uncertain crisis or powerful, unexpected opportunity. Gene Crash chose the later. And maybe we're over that. that's really where we are today in our world, in our church, And that's why I chose this conversation, right? You know, fearful uncertainty or powerful unexpected opportunity. Listen, everything changed, right? Last week, everything changed, right? For the church. Everything's different, not just for our church, for churches across our country. And as we stand together in this temporary new norm, in this temporary new world, the question is, and it's not an insignificant question, is will we choose to, both as a church and as individual Jesus followers, will we choose to live, right? Are we going to live in fear and uncertainty, or or will we choose to embrace the unexpected and powerful opportunity that lies before us? It's my prayer that we choose the latter. Not the kind you climb, like the last statement I made, right? <laughs> I probably said it wrong, but that's all right. That's how we roll in Maple Grove. Opportunity. I, I like that word, opportunity. Um, uh, many years where they had, had modern harbors, you know, a, a ship had to wait for the exact right moment before it could enter the port. It had to wait for the winds to blow in and for the flood tide to come in so that the ship could safely enter the harbor so the captain and the crew would wait for that exact moment when the water was just right so they could get in and they knew that if they missed that exact moment, they would have to wait for another flood tide. And there was a Latin term used for that, porto, which means in the port. It's where we get our word opportunity. And oftentimes, God gives us an opportunity. Oftentimes, God sets floodwaters with the, with the total goal for our good and for his glory. And this is one of those times that we're in right now. And, and, and here, here's what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I'm saying it well. This current situation, uh, the coronavirus, has created, has created a unique and unprecedented flood tide that God wants to use to help us navigate through the waters of fear and uncertainty and into the harbor of opportunity. 
And, and there's three opportunities that, that I, I want to talk about today uh, that God wants us to take advantage of and he wants us to seize. And the way I want to attack our conversation, and that's what we do here, we attack the conversation here, is I, I want to unpack just three statements, right? Don't miss the opportunity, don't forget the right cloud of witnesses, and don't overcomplicate your response. All right? Let's do this. Don't miss the opportunity, number one, I said there's three of them, to grow in your personal faith. You see, one of the most important opportunities in this current crisis or any crisis that you will ever face in your life, one of the most important and powerful opportunities is to grow in your faith. Jesus' brother James, he talked about this, right? Consider, that's making a choice, right? Consider, if pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, including the coronavirus, because you know, you know something. You know that there's an ultimate purpose behind every trial. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That you may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You know, I, I still remember sitting in a, in a uh, McDonald's in Decatur, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta at 6 a.m. in the morning, beating the rush hour traffic that starts at 5 in, in the morning to go to 10 o'clock at night in Atlanta. And I was at the McDonald's waiting to go to the UVA, UVA. <laughs> to go to the VA hospital there because there was a member of a church who was having a surgical procedure. And I was there waiting. I could still see, I know what table I was sitting on, right? And, but I, I don't know, and I was going through a crisis, so I don't even remember what the crisis was because that really doesn't matter. It was about 18 years ago, plus or minus. I don't remember what I was going through, but I, I remember like it was yesterday, the 13 words that I felt God impress upon me as I sat at McDee's eating my egg muffin, right? You don't just have to go through it, you can grow through it. You, you may want to write that down. Not just now, but for any time you face a trial, you don't just have to go through it. But you can, you can grow through it. And, and how do we ensure that that happens? How do we ensure that we actually grow through the hardships and trials that we face? I'm glad you asked. I want to suggest four ways. And, and my guess is that you probably know these ways, right? You've heard these before. And, and, and in fact, they may seem too simple and, 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 and too much like common knowledge to be of any benefit. But listen, just because something is simple and common knowledge does not mean that it doesn't work, right? For example, it, it may seem simple and common knowledge that to be healthy, number one, eat a nutritious diet and exercise, right? Simple. Uh, does it work? I don't know. I may try it sometime, right? <laughs> and, and even now, right, with this virus, how to spread it, right? Washing your hands, right? Like, like all the technology we have, and they say the best way that we can prevent the spread of this is to wash your hands. So just because things are simple and, and common knowledge does not mean they do not work. And I want to share some things with you that you must do. You must do these if you want to grow. If you don't want to just go through it, you want to grow through it. And you're going to be shocked by the first one. Read your Bible. 
Read your Bible. You're, some of you are like, no, what? Some, somebody just dropped their cereal bowl out there. Clean it up later, right? No fussing over spilt milk, right? Yeah. All right. I'm having too much fun with this. There's probably nobody out there. <laughs> There's three. That's it. I bribed a few people. No, I know Bob Glass and Kim are right now down there with, the, with, with Kim's dad. So there's, there's the three I'm sure of. But read God's word. Why? It's living. It's active, right? It, it's, it's words of life from the author of life. And there's so many ways to do that today, right? I mean, you know, if you have a, there's an the old-fashioned way. Actually, I dust this out of the back room here. This is a book. <laughs> it's actually a Bible. And it has pages on it, Right? Uh, you could do it the old-fashioned way, right? Or, or with the version Bible app, right? There's so many Bible plans. You could do a Bible plan if you're anxious and worried right now. they got plans for that. Um, we're doing right, one right now, um, and our faith comes from hearing. And um, I'm a little behind. I'm catching up. Um, I, I, I read the day I'm supposed to and the day I'm behind. I read Luke 6 where it talked about that, like, if you read God's Word and hear God's Word and do God's Word, that when the storms of life come guess what? Your house doesn't what? It doesn't collapse. So read God's word, right? That'll help you grow through it, not just go through it. Uh, Connect with God in prayer, right? Another shocking thing for me to say as I stand up here. And and we could overcomplicate prayer. Uh, Maybe you've heard of something called the acts of prayer, right? Um, It's a way to make sure your prayer is balanced. The A stands for adoration. The C stands for confession the T stands for thanksgiving, A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication, right? That's, that's a churchy kind of word, and it just means you, you pray for stuff, right? You pray for other people, right? Um, other than the acts of prayer, I don't use the word supplication like ever, right? Uh, I, I, I'm going to supplify something, right? I, I just don't do that. Um, but <laughs> All right. Um, Acts of prayer. And, and, and I, I want to just kind of briefly demonstrate that. If you guys would just pray with me. I'm going to go through the acts of prayer. Adoration. Father, I just praise you for being our rock and our refuge. I praise you because I know nothing is too hard for you. I know you're never overwhelmed. You're never surprised. And there's nothing that you cannot handle. And God, I confess that, God, that, that even now, Lord, at times, even as I stand up here, I can be more concerned, God, about what people think of me than what they think of your word. God, forgive me for that. And God, I thank you for the health of my family right now. Uh, God, I thank you for the technology that you provided so that we can speak to others, uh, not just through life, but through text and other ways to stay connected to people. I thank you for this great country, Lord, and all the resources they're providing to help people. Supplication, God, I, I pray that through this time that your gospel and kingdom will spread, Father. I pray for those who are suffering, who've lost their jobs, who are so fearful right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the next thing is don't walk through this crisis alone. Even this time of social distancing, which I'm not sure how much I really like that term, um, you know, uh, there are ways to connect, right? And the bottom line, we need other people. Solomon, the wisest dude that ever lived, right? You know, 
in, in chapter four of his book, Ecclesiastes, he wrote that at the end of life, right? When he's like, wow, I sure screwed up. <laughs> you know, like, wow, I wish I did things differently. Uh, but one of the things he said in there in chapter four was like, like, he says two are better than one. Like if you're like by yourself and you fall down and there's no one to help you up, that's like, that's not good. And he says that if it's really cold, that, that two people can maybe help each other stay warm, but one person by themselves is really in trouble. And, and then he has that famous line, like a cord of three strands, right, is not easily broken. And so there, there are ways of staying connected. I know a lot of our life groups are going to, um, they're using Zoom for life groups. Some have already done that. If you're not in a life group, even if you don't attend Maple Grove, you know, we're going to be starting some new groups that are going to be Zoom groups, right, where you can, uh, where we, you can meet with other people and you can, you can share with them. But don't go through this alone. And, and the fourth thing that will help you grow through it, so you've got the Bible, prayer, other people, and, and just trust God, right, in these current times. Uh, Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8 through 10. Um, and you notice that we just put the references up there. Um, you guys can look those up. And really what that, what's going on there, Paul said, hey, you know what? We were in Asia and we went through a really hard time. And Paul said, it was so hard that we were overwhelmed and like we didn't think we were going to make it. This is Paul, right? Wrote all those letters. He said, it was terrible, overwhelmed. We thought we were going to die. And then Paul makes a statement, but this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves. That we may not trust in ourselves, but trust in God who rose Jesus from the dead, right? And so Paul had to learn that, right? And, 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 and maybe something for you to learn in this, you've been trusting too much in yourself. You've been trusting too much maybe in your ability and your finances and your wisdom and your health. And you need to learn to trust in God in this uncertain time. You know, I, I can't think of one example in all of Scripture where, where somebody trusted in God. On the other side, they were worse for it. Can you? Because there isn't one, right? Even my own life, I can't think of a time when I really trusted in God and I came out worse on the other side. And listen, trusting in God, it doesn't mean that everything works out the way that you want it to work out, right? For example, I trusted in God when my first wife, Judy, battled cancer. It did not turn out the way I wanted her being healed physically. However, when I came out the other side, God was more real and my faith had grown stronger. Don't miss the opportunity to grow in your faith. Simple things. Just wash your hands, right? Wash your hands. Read your Bible. Pray, right? Simple, right? You've heard it before, right? Don't do it by yourself. Hey, trust in God. He's trustworthy. And don't miss the opportunity also to show the world the beauty of our Christ and of his church. I, I, I don't think it's a secret that in recent years that the opinions people have and the way people see the church is not all that good, right? A lot of people have a negative opinion about the church. And in turn, they don't see the church as hope of the world. They don't see the church as a place where grace and love and belonging and mercy and compassion and caring abound. And they don't see the church as a place to go to have their questions, the deep questions of life answered. And they don't see the church even as a place to go to find comfort for their pain. And to be honest, the church, that would be 
me and that would be you. We played a, a major part for the way the world currently sees Christ's bride. But understand throughout history, the church has always been her best when the world was at its darkest. Oftentimes it really was the church's finest hour. Uh, first Christianity spread in the face of persecution in a world that was much more hostile to, to the message of Christ than our world is today. But another reason it spread had to do with the fact that there were two deadly plagues that ravaged the Roman Empire, right? You had the Antonine Plague from A.D. 165 to 180 and the Cyprian Plague from A.D. 249 to 262. It killed roughly one-third of the world's population, right? That would be like 111 million people in America dying. It, it took out three of the Roman emperors. And, and what happened, you know, the unbelievers, even the, the, the medical doctors, you know what they did? You know, they, they stayed away from the sick people. When a loved one got sick, they would actually they would throw them into the streets and they would lay there. And, and then when the bodies died, they just let, they, there was a pile of bodies decaying and dying. Do you know what the Christians did? You know, this, is, this is true. You know, I could read quotes, but I'm not going to read them. They're in my notes. I'll send you my notes for $5. <laughs> Text Steve at yada yada bing. Okay, but what, they, what the Christians did, they said, you know, we're going to help them. And they took care of the sick people. And a lot of them died in doing that. And what they were, they showed solid evidence that Jesus is real and that these people really were their disciples, right? You know, and the church that started with 120, historians for a long time were figuring, hey, how did this group of people, maybe 5,000 in the year 40 AD, how did they grow to be 33 million you know, the largest group within the Roman Empire by the year 350, right? And part of that reason was that the church showed Jesus when the world was hurting. And it's time for us, God's people, to embrace that same mindset. You know, to show compassion. Interestingly, our reading for the day, God thing, right? It's day 70. We read about the Good Samaritan. Listen, we can't walk on the other side, right? You know, yeah, we got a social distance in a way, but we can't leave hurting people on their own. Help you make it. We're doing fine. Yeah, I got the Kroger before you and Food Line. You wouldn't believe all the toilet paper I have. I'm bathing in hand sanitizer. My tub. No, we can't do that, right? That's not what God has called us to do. We got to reach out and we got to show compassion. Now, I'm going to be Zooming with my compassion team. And if you want to be in that meeting, shoot me an email, steve at thegrowseville.org to find out how can we meet these needs. Some are already doing it, right? All kinds of different ways. One of our elders, Steve Bailey, his wife found out all the needs of the older people in their neighborhood. And he went out and picked stuff up. You know, one way, my wife, Laurie, wanted to eat wings so she could really overtip a waitress because they're not making a lot of money right now, right? A lot, a lot of different ways, right, that we can do things to show compassion and to show the world. Yeah, I know what you thought the church was. I know how the world has painted us, but that's not who we really are. Amen? Don't miss the opportunity to grow in your personal faith, to show the world the beauty of our Christ and the church. 
And don't miss the opportunity to deepen your relationships. Uh, uh, Ten years ago, yesterday actually, uh, I I began to be unemployed for six months. I was in between churches and and, uh, um, don't have time to go into details because the details are not what's important. What's important is at first when I, I couldn't... In between churches, no one would hire me, not even Walmart or Walgreens, right? Because they said, hey, you get a church, you're gone, so why bother hiring you? And after I stopped having my pity party for like about three weeks, you know, poor, poor me, it isn't terrible how my life is, I realized what an opportunity, right, that I get to be a stay-at-home dad. You know, I'm 60, that's the only time I ever got to be one. And I said, you know what, I'm going to have fun with May Lee and Gentile. And I'll tell you what, here's some pictures of some of the fun we had. Here's what we did during that time. We went to the pool, baby. You know, here's May Lee getting launched right there. Check this one out. She got some serious air in this picture. Got the next one. Whoa, serious air. Went to the pool every day. Or if we didn't go to the pool, guess where we went to? Here's the next picture. That's May Lee, Carrie. We're heading to the beach, Cocoa Beach, baby. 50 minutes away. There's a picture of May Lee there. Yeah, and I got to admit, I had the best tan of my life. <laughs> my wife was even jealous. I am white, and I, I'll put on SPF 973,000 to the exponent 42, right? I mean, I pulled that stuff on. I do not want to burn. But I had a suntan, and it was actually, I saw some big, I actually had a suntan, right? Uh, hey, you know, it's time for all of us, right? You're going to be spending more time with your family. And how can you deepen those relationships? And don't wait for someone else to be the, to be the jump starter, be the igniter. Um, you be that. Our family's using an app called Marco Polo. The students are using it. And, and you know, we got the Malone gang, uh, Marco Polo group. And every day, right, we'll see John, we'll see May Lee, I'll see Chelsea, I'll see Justin, I'll see Zeb, I'll see Micah. And we're just doing posts. And it's where you can do a short video and people get to watch it. It's free, doesn't cost anything, but it's a, a way to stay connected. Fearful uncertainty or powerful unexpected opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. And don't forget the great cloud of witnesses. We really are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, right? Who chose to view dark and difficult times, not as a time to live in fear and uncertainty, but a time to embrace opportunity, right? And and I could talk about a bunch of them. Um, one that comes to my mind immediately is Moses and the Red Sea, right? God's people has been delivered. They're happy. Party on. This is great. Wonderful. Glad it happened. You know, next thing you know, Pharaoh gets all ticked off. He has his army and 600 of his best chariots. And now the Israelites find themselves, they're pinned between the Red Sea and this army that wants to destroy them. They're doing what you and I would do. They start fussing at Moses. Moses, why'd you bring us out here? Moses, why'd you do that? Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt, right? Moses, it's better to die, in, better to live in Egypt as slave than die. Why'd you do that, right? And, and Moses said, hey, y'all chill. Y'all chill. Because Moses said, hey, I'm not paralyzed by fear. I, I see a pretty good opportunity. And he, look, look what he says. Moses answered the people. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And we know the rest of the story. I also think of 1 Samuel 
chapter 17, David and Goliath, right? For 40 days, every morning, every night, Goliath stands in there, taunts the Israelite army, and every time they heard that dude and saw that dude, they ran away in fear. They were gripped by fear. They were gripped by uncertainty. David saw an incredible opportunity, and David went down into the valley, and here's what David said to the Philistine. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. He seemed brave heart. This day I will, I will give you the carcasses, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole, here's the point, will know what? They'll know that there is a God in Israel. And we know that story happened, right? And I could, I could go on, right? All these times when, when God's people faced a, a dark time, when Abraham, Joseph, Joshua, Ruth, Gideon, Esther, Mordecai, Elijah, Elisha, Paul, Silas, Stephen, they all faced difficult times but they chose to see the opportunity and not live in fear. Uh, just one more quick one, uh, and that would be the early church. See, there was a day in Acts chapter 8 where everything changed for the early church, just in an instant. I mean, they woke up, it was one way. The next day, it was a totally different way. Maybe you know the story. You know, Stephen's preaching. They get angry, and they kill Stephen, and a great persecution arose. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I mean, they woke up. It wasn't like that, right? And now they're leaving everything. Everything changed. Hey, we used to go to church at, at Peter's house. Now we, and, and they didn't have live feed. And they couldn't listen to Pete on live feed, right? They, they couldn't download his podcast. They couldn't listen on Spotify. They just had to scatter. Oh, my gosh. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't live in fear and uncertainty. You know what they did? They seized the opportunity. Look at verse 4. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Amen? Fearful, uncertain crisis or powerful, unexpected opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity to grow in your faith, to show the world the beauty of the church in Christ, to deepen your relationships. And don't forget the cloud of witnesses. Listen. Others have stood where we stand. Amen? And they showed us something. And don't overcomplicate your response. Because really, it's as simple as A, B, C, D. A stands for attitude is everything. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It is so critical for us to have a positive attitude and not copy the negative, fearful, hopeless attitude that so much of our world has, especially our news media, right? They don't want to be positive because positive doesn't sell. Negativity sells. Division sells, right? Don't copy that behavior. Don't embrace that behavior. And listen, maintaining a positive attitude does not mean that you bury your head in the sand it does not mean you have to deny the facts. And it does not mean that you do not implement the necessary precautions. It simply means that you refuse to allow your mind and your thoughts and your heart to be dominated by negativity, hopelessness, and fear. Get it? 
good. I want to read a quote right here. It's worth listening to um, by Chuck Swindoll about attitude. He writes, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. Attitude will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have the choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. Only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with us. We are in charge of our own attitude. All right? You know, uh, we're going to do our repeat back for our audience here and our audience at home. <laughs> That's funny to say. Okay? Um, I'm going to say my attitude, and you're going to say is my, I'm going to say, I'm going to say your attitude, and you're going to say is my choice. All right? You get that? I, your line is, is my choice. That's just three words. You can do it. Right? My two words, I could already mess up once, right? Okay. Ready? Your, your attitude. Is my choice. Your attitude. Is my choice. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the battle begins in your mind. How you think determines how you feel. And how you feel determines how you act. And Philippians 4, 7, and 8 tells you what to think about, right? What to dwell on. Things that are true and noble and right and good. The scripture passage is up there. So A, attitude is everything. B, be flexible and fluid, right? Like things are changing, right? I mean, churches used to meet all together in the building. You used to be able to go to sporting events, right? In Disney World, in Disneyland. You used to be able to go to movies. You used to be able to go out and sit in restaurants. People used to shake hands and hug, right? You used to be able to give high fives, right? And then we saw... Well, no more than 250, no more than 100, right? Uh, no more than 50, no more than 10. Pretty soon, less than one, right? You can't even be with yourself anymore, right? You're going, like, I don't know. How do I get away from myself? And it's, everywhere I go, there I am. It's going <laughs> to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not well. But, but see, flexibility is the ability to change directions when appropriate, right? Imagine what happened... If you had an inflexible airplane pilot, um, you're about to crash into another plane, change your altitude. No. <laughs> yeah. if, if, imagine if drivers were not flexible in merging. Some aren't, right? And you're like, well, you know what? I have the right of way, <laughs> and I don't care if you're coming. I'm going to keep my right of way, right? Have you ever seen a storm? Uh, we used to live in Florida. You know, the trees that stand are the trees that what? That bend. The ones that break are the ones that don't have the ability to bend. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. (laughs) That's not in the Bible. Don't look it up, but it's true, right? We need to be flexible. Yeah, Paul was the, Paul was, here's what I, Paul had what I think is the flexibility verse of the Bible. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. A lot of different situations. 
A lot of different ways of wind we're blowing. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, right? He was flexible. Hey, go with the flow. He, he modeled it in Acts chapter 16, right? Paul's one, hey, I want to go to Asia. Door shut, right? I want to go to Bithynia. Door shut. All right. Paul says, you know what? I'm going to park it in Troas till God tells me what to do. And he, he didn't fuss. He didn't argue. He didn't complain. He didn't freak out. Because Paul knew that one closed door was simply God putting an arrow to another open door. And what happens? Paul gets a call to go to Macedonia and a great revival breaks out in Philippi. Attitude is everything. Be flexible and fluid. Center your thoughts and your eyes on Jesus always. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Check that verse out. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down the right hand at the throne of God, fixed your eyes on Jesus, not on the latest tweet or post or news feed from Fox News or CNN. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. A lot of people are growing weary and losing heart right now, right? And maybe for good reason, because it's hard right now. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it makes a difference. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, take every, cap, every thought and make it captive to Christ. How do you do that? How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Being in the Word, by praying, by hanging out with other people who are hanging out with Jesus. Worship. You know, and worship, you know, I, 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 and I'm, I'm going to say this to those in here, my audience out there. <laughs> That's so fun to say. Um, you know, all music is good. I would encourage you to increase your, your worship music listening during this time. Now, I'm not dissing non-Christian music. I have 97.5 on all the time. You know, I love classic rock and not a thing wrong with classic rock. It's classic, right? And it's rock, right? How can you go wrong? <laughs> you know, but, but, but what I really want you to do is increase it, right? Listen to more worship music, not just in here, not just because you're preparing for the next set somewhere. I guarantee you, it'll minister to you, all right? I'm not saying get rid of the other stuff, but do a little bit more, okay? D, determine who you will be when we get to the other side. We're almost done, so don't get up yet. We're almost done. I know, yeah, bathroom break can come, but just hang, hang tough, hang tough. Um, D, determine who you will be when you get to the other side. You see, this, this, Coronavirus, it's going to end, right? A week, a month. It's going to end sometime. And determine, say, hey, who do I want to be when all is said and done? Who, who, who do I, I want to be when the dust settles? Who do I want to be in regards to my faith? Who, who do I want to be when the coronavirus is over in regards to my relationships? Determine who, who do I want to be in regards to my church? Am I going to make my church look more beautiful to the community, right? I mean, determine who you'll be when you get to the other side. Seriously, take some time to do that. Write it down. Really think about who you want to be. And then begin to take the actions you need to do so that will become your reality. So that your reality will be that, hey, you know what? You grew in your faith. You're more mature. You're more complete than you were before. And your relationships are deeper. Husbands and wife, your relationships are deeper. Parents and kids, it's deeper. Families, it's deeper. Church, it's deeper. 
Uh, friends, it's deeper than it was anyone into this, right? And wow, the church looks pretty. People are saying, wow, the church is not just a bunch of haters. Actually, it's a bunch of lovers who love Jesus and want you to get to know him too, right? It's simple as ABCD, right? So I just want to say, don't miss the opportunity. Don't forget the witnesses. And don't overcomplicate it. Attitude is everything. Be flexible. Center on Christ. Determine who you want to be. And uh, I'm going to close with this thought. Like I said, Thursday morning, God woke me up at 5 a.m. And and, uh, after I... He, we did our thing, and I did a quiet time. I, I came over to the tennis courts and, and uh, throw it with my high beams on to throw a tennis ball for my dog to run and chase. And I, I did bring a bag to pick up poop, in case anyone's wondering. And I did pick the poop up, all right? Any poop up there is not ours, right? You can do DNA search if you need to. But, and so I, I did that. And, and, and an interesting thing, you know, not an accident. I don't always listen to 97.1, but it is a pretty decent song. Um, for uh, um, a Christian station. And there was a song playing right when I got to the parking lot. I turned it on and heard these, this song. It's called My Hope Is In You. And here's just a line that was playing right when I got here, when God woke me up and gave me the idea for this message about not living in fear and uncertainty, but embracing the opportunity. My hope is in you, Lord, all day long, and I won't be shaken by drought or storm. A peace that passes understanding is my song. And I sing, my hope is in you, Lord. You know, Jesus said, I've told you these things before they happen so that in me you will have peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled, for I have overcome the world. And the way Jesus overcame the world is by, uh, is by, the cross by his body being broken, his blood being shed. And we're going to sing a song about Jesus. Um, and then we're going to take communion. So after the song is over, I'm going to come up and, and talk about communion and give the opportunity for us to take it together. If you have a bread at home, I encourage you to go grab that bread. And if you have grape juice, great. If not, just anything, water, whatever you have. And after the song, we're going to take communion together. But I just encourage you to really listen to the song and allow God to minister to you through it.